Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. Mind your business. Only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. Thanks for joining us on the breakfast show, and it's time now for mind your business. That's right. Standard Plus Prime. These are what HDB homeowners or buyers here will be looking at when they ballot for the new homes starting from the second half of next year. Yes, that's the new framework announced by Prime Minister Lee Hsien Loong at the National Day Rally. So the new plus category is one that has larger subsidies, but tighter resale conditions. So that's going to be added to the current standard and prime categories. The new framework will split BTO housing projects depending on whether they are in choice locations. It is also a complete overhaul of the current system of mature and non-mature estates, which is losing its relevance in today's evolving housing landscape. Mm-hmm. And then it must meet three objectives. Be affordable for all income groups, maintain a good social mix in every town and region, and keep the system fair for everyone. And it's also said to reduce the lottery effect and keep a lid on resale flat prices. And will tighter restrictions limit upgrading behaviour and capital upside? Yeah, I guess that's a big question, right? So let's take a closer look at this new framework and what it means for home buyers down the road. And we've got in the studio Ku Sui Yong, Director of International Property Advisor. Sui Yong, thanks for joining us. Good morning, everybody. And, and also... Mm-hmm, Nicholas Mark, Chief Research Officer of Mogul.com. SG. Nicholas, thank you for coming into the studio this morning. Well, I'm very happy to be here. All right, guys. So I think everyone wants to know your initial impressions as well as the observations of what you've been hearing in terms of reactions from the ground so far. Let's start with Nicholas first. Yeah. Well, uh, first of all, uh, I do welcome the new reclassifications because mm-hmm. we need something uh, to replace that uh, old definition of mature, non-mature, which has been introduced about 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, nowadays, is uh, the, the difference between these two types of estates is getting blurred. Uh, but the new classifications, in a way, bring the HDB flats markets uh, a bit closer to I'll say reality. Mm-hmm. However, they also come with uh, new sets of policies and restrictions, sure, uh, sure. especially for the prime and plus, and mm-hmm. that could have implication on the markets, um, not just HDB market, but also the private residential market. So, Young, what about your observations? I think to, in, in, to sum up in one word, it was a little bit meh, because <laughs> there, there was anticipation, because there were hints coming out before National Day rally, and then buyers potential buyers and current owners of HDB flats, they were wondering hmm, what what might the new rules be. They are looking forward to, for example, how costs might be controlled so that affordability is addressed, how the older flats might be addressed. So while the speech did address the ageing population, but you also have an ageing population of HDB flats. Mm. And so what about the ageing population of citizens plus the aging HDB flats, when you combine those two together, there are some rather larger issues to be dealt with as well. Yeah, that's what I mean. a lot of things to unpack here. And I think I'll stick with you, Suyong. So you mentioned you know, this could have you know, seen more measures in terms of affordability, but I would imagine this actually goes some ways to helping prices, right? Yes, it, it would. However, we won't be able to see it until the, the whole cycle plays out. And then let's observe in about 15 years' time whether the restrictions that we place on the 10-year minimum occupation period of prime and subsequently the 10-year MOP of plus, how that plays out in the resale market. And in 15 years' time, 
our aging demographics would have taken us to a different realm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, at this stage, it is still difficult to say that it would definitely put a lid on um, the resale fervor. Okay, Nicholas, Singapore's BTO public housing model is getting a facelift, so to speak. (laughs) So where do you think these plus BTO locations will be? Well, um, they can be anywhere in Singapore. In fact, they're island-wide. And I think uh, most of all, it's going to be near MRT stations mm-hmm. or shopping malls, basically uh, popular locations where in the past, without this uh, current system, we are going to see, let's say, a BTO project comes up. We could see 20 overtimes over subscriptions. And because currently we're going to have about 183 MRT stations mm-hmm. island-wide, so you can have potentially 183 locations with plus flats. But I imagine the factors also be where the, the MRT is going to be, right? Like one that's going to be in Pongo is going to be very different from Tiong Bahru. Um, true, that's very true. In fact, the ones at Tiong Bahru, uh, they call it the, the southern part of Singapore, it's called the central area. Don't ask me why. Uh, that is going to be mostly plus and prime. I think there will be very few standard type of flats. While the standard type of flats is more in the outside central region. In other words, the more suburban areas. So in fact, the substance of how we have been pricing BTOs has already in the past probably 15-20 years been reflecting Mm -hmm. this proximity to amenities, proximity to transport hubs, proximity to facilities and of course there's the proximity to the good schools because the pricing of BTOs actually has a relationship with resale open market pricing and so this system of plus prime and standard actually has already been in substance in the Mm. works. Mm. Yeah, so, so pretty much market forces have already been in the work for quite some time, right? Correct. So I guess the next question is how much things will change from that current mature versus non-mature category or categorization? In fact, what we still do not know and probably the minister would have to work out uh, the details mm-hmm. would be what is the clawback, for example, when you mm. do resell it in 15 years' time and make a capital gain. Nicholas, let's talk about the new restrictions for plus BTOs, including a 10-year minimum occupation period. And like Sion said, clawback, a clawback of the subsidy as well for plus BTOs. Will this necessarily help keep a lid on prices? Well, in theory, uh, it could, but it's untested, you see. Hmm. Um, you see, there are basic, a few methods how the government can keep uh, HDB flats affordable, not just for the first buyer, but for subsequent buyers in the resale market. One way is by uh, building a lot, that means causing an oversupply, but that is actually a waste on the nation's reserves uh, and also resources. You know, you've got flats with empty units uh, all over Singapore. The second ma- method is to throw money at the problem. Just give subsidy and subsidy and subsidy to subsequent buyers as well. But that will also run down the nation's reserve and this money is going to flow into the private residential market. So you're going to have price inflation everywhere mm. and it's not going to solve the problem. It, it means the mm. government just have to throw more money at the problem again. The problem. And the third method is to introduce very stringent restrictions on the HDB flats, even when they enter the resale market, in the hope that this will slow down the price increase. But this has another effect is that for, gener- for the last 50 over years, uh, for generations, people have often treated HDB flat as the first step on the property ladder. I buy the HDB flat from the government at a discounted rate. I sell it 
the capital gains is not taxed, it's my money, and I can use it to upgrade, use it for various things. And it's the first step in capital accumulation, mm. wealth accumulation. That is going to be gradually eroded because the mm. government's message is HDB flat is for staying, it's yeah. a home, it's not an investment asset. It should be. Yeah, so but, <laughs> yes, I, I agree. that There is that, uh, I mean, public housing should be. But with 80% of our population living in public housing, you're basically telling 80% of the population, you know, just live there and invest in something else. You know, yeah. don't, don't invest in property. Unless you, yes, unless you move into the private housing market, which means that you have this two-tier um, group of Singaporeans, those who live in HDB flats, don't think, treat your HDB as a well-building mm-hmm. mechanism. You want to get rich through property, go private. <laughs> yeah, it does sound like it's going to be a big change in mindset, right? Because the MOPs are going to be much longer. You have to really figure out what's your runway. You wait for construction years to finish and then the MOP mm. to finish. Yes. That really changes your, I guess, financial planning to some extent, also your life journey planning. But in conversation with Ku Yong, he is the Director of International Property Advisor as well as Nicholas Mark. He is the Chief Research Officer for Mogul.sg. Nicholas, um, there's also the EC category where home buyers bought at HDB pricing with subsidies, but after the five year MOP, it's capital appreciation surge after it can be resold as private property. Should ECs also have an extended MOP or be classed under plus or prime projects? Well, in a nutshell, yes, because uh, let's look at the rationale. The mature, non mature estate was introduced in 1992. EC was introduced in 1995. Mm-hmm. So it is also about 27, 28 years old. So it's time for a revamp because EC, when it was first introduced, it was to firstly cater to the so called sandwich class. Mm-hmm. Uh, number two, it was meant to keep a lead on the price appreciation of mass market condo. Mm-hmm. And it works in the beginning because the government was selling a lot of land. I remember uh, in the uh, 1990s uh, and early 2000s, you can, if you look for EC, you have almost five to eight EC projects to choose from in the market. Currently, you only have a handful, maybe two, two or three. Yeah. Yes, about two a year. So it is not fulfilling some of its functions anymore. Mm. And with all these prime and plus flats, it begs the question, do we still need EC? And mm. if we do, if the answer is yes, then we should relook. Because to make it fair, EC is also built uh, with state subsidy in a way, then they should also have their MOP lengthened. Mm. Because right now, many EC buyers are also treating EC and encouraged also by property agents as a money-making mechanism. Buy it, whether you live in it for five years or not, is none of uh, other people's business. And then sell it after five years because they say you can sell it almost at private condo prices. So you want to weigh in on this? I think that the EC is has actually outlived its usefulness and in fact, some of the quality of the finished ECs um, don't even really measure up to what HDB has uh, done in the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. HDB's quality of finishes have actually improved a lot and of course they have also won several international awards. Yeah, testament to HDB's quality actually. Yep. Yeah, so from ECs as if condos, let's talk to Suyong about another category which is the category for singles. Um, they now have more options. They'll be allowed to apply for two-room flexi BTOs across all locations under Standard, Plus and Prime. So still early days but it does look like good news, right Suyong? It, this is the part that confuses me because I think by allowing more singles to access to, to, to more different types of resale 
we, we might actually be pushing up resale demand as well. Then, of course, there is also the call to address the needs mm. of singles who are slightly younger because at 35, some may be already considering like 35 is almost mid-career because they are gunning for retirement at 50 years mm-hmm. old perhaps. So, if we were to bring down subsequently the age of eligibility for singles, that would again push demand for resale. And so, keeping a lid on resale market index might be challenging. Let's talk about the prime projects. It's definitely going to cost more compared to plus and standard flats. Mm. And then the subsidy recovery will also be higher for prime flats, right? So, Mm. do you think there will be a lot of demand for that still? I I think so. In fact, the government says that with this new system, it's possible to sell the prime flats at cheaper price than today, uh, let's say in uh, in the future. Uh, Because with all this uh, clawback and the the 10-year MOP, it's potentially to do that. But once you price that prime flats in very popular location at a cheaper price, you will again have more applicants um, Mm. going for it. Um, So we're not sure how the market will react and I'm not sure if the government knows either. So it's going to be a bit of a trial and error for the first few badges of BTO, Prime and Plus flats. Uh, but I think the other thing is um, I've spoken to a few people, young people in uh, the late 20s and early 30s who are thinking of buying their first home. And a lot, uh, quite a number of them have considered PLH, which is going to be the future prime type of flats. Mm. They don't mind the subsidy clawback. Uh, they don't mind some of the restrictions. Like, for example, you cannot rent out the flats mm. um, entirely. But what really is a bugbear is the 10-year MOP. Yep. Because right now, if let's say you were to apply for a flat, mm-hmm. it, could be, uh, it could be constructed four to five years later. Mm-hmm. And then you have to wait 10 more years of MOP. So we're talking about you can only sell the flat um, and move out of that flat 15 years from now, a lot of things can change in 15 years. You, you could have triplets. Yes. <laughs> and you want to book 30 months a wait out period for oh, private property. Yes, yes, that's that's the other that's the other thing. But this 15 years is not a 10 years, it's basically a 15 years waiting period. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your children uh well, forget about moving to another location nearer to the children's primary school. Uh and I think by then a lot of them will have passed their P1 <laughs> registration. So so in other words, those prime flats that are near popular primary schools is going to be so highly sought after by young families. Yeah, so a lot to unpack, a lot of things maybe to calibrate down the road. So we'll be carefully watching this space. We've been chatting with Nicholas Mark. He's the Chief Research Officer for Mogul.sg, as well as Ku Su Yong, Director of International Property Advisor. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you. <laughs> to listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.